Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Well, in Exodus chapter 13, I want to read a couple of verses of scripture to you this morning. I'm excited to preach this morning. And uh, I don't know if you've been fasting and praying with us, but I'm telling you, I've felt the presence of God all week this week. And, um, but I was reminded of this passage this week, this, uh, this Wednesday. Uh, I was in Washington, D.C. Uh, during, um, during the rally there. And uh, we had gone up to uh, be a part of the rally. We actually went up to be with the uh, PG pastors, the peaceably gathered pastors. Uh, Brian Gibson, uh, who leads that, was having a Save America rally. Uh, and so we went up to be a part of that, but we happened to be there. And, of course, there was probably, I, I can't estimate crowds. It was the largest crowd I've ever been a part of. And I, I don't know what the estimates were, 300,000, 400,000 people. Uh, but it was an interesting thing. And so we had uh, been around the Capitol when much of that activity began to break out there. And, uh, of course, uh, no one condones lawlessness. Amen? And uh, I was in CHOP, and I was in a couple of places this year, and nobody condones lawlessness, and, and we don't ever want to condone that. But um, I do believe that there's something uh, happening in this nation. I do believe that God is getting ready to do something powerful. And, um, but this scripture came to my mind as, as, uh, as we were there because it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And you ever have an expectation for something and it never ends up the way that you think that it's going to be or turn out the way that you thought it was going to be. And so um, actually, to be honest with you, it was pretty, it was pretty scary and a little bit of intimidating. And, um, but I did not expect what I saw and did not expect the continuation of what I saw. So it kind of got grievous in my spirit. So all the way home, driving all the way home that night, uh, that 10-hour drive, it was just kind of grievous in my spirit. And I thought to myself, God, what are you up to? And, and so then I thought back over 2020, and as I put the phrase up on the screen, uh, today's message, I didn't see that coming. And how many could say that for 2020? You didn't see that coming. And uh, there's a lot of things that have happened in our nation the last year that we did not, we haven't seen coming. And so this morning I want to talk a little bit about I didn't see that coming. And in the book of Exodus chapter 13, I want to read verses 17 and 18, and then I want to get right into the Word this morning. And I feel the presence of God here this morning, and I pray that you do too. Verse 17, it said, Then it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was nearer for. God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and turn and return back to Egypt. Verse 18, so God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. That's a powerful scripture. And a lot of times, you know, there's a number of appropriate adjectives we can use to describe the nature and character of God. And we can pull many of them out. But this morning, I'd like to use one 
that is, ex- that is extremely important but often overlooked. And it's this. God can be unpredictable. Y'all hear what I'm saying? God can be unpredictable. Now, I'm not in any way disputing the reality of what the writer of Hebrews calls the immutability of God. The, uh, God is uh, immutable, which means he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. In other words, God was good, God is good, and God will always be good, right? God is a provider, God was a provider, God will always be a provider. God is, was a comforter, God is a comforter, and God will always be a comforter. See, this is why we don't have to panic in our present or our walk, our walk in fear regarding our future. Because God is always good. God always provides, and God always comforts. And no matter what happens, or no matter what inconsistencies we encounter uh, or confront by the fact that we're walking, the fact is we're walking with one who is consistent. We're walking with a God who's reliable. We're walking with a God who is dependable. And we're walking with a God who is constant. And so regardless of what the circumstances around us may be, God is immutable, but God can also be unpredictable in our lives. So I'm not challenging God's immutability. What I am saying, though, that there is no inconsistencies in his character. There is only unpredictability in his activity. In other words, though we can rest assured with confidence and have conviction with regards to his character, we cannot always predict God's activity. Even when you look in the Gospels and you see how he dealt with people or even how Jesus dealt with people. In John 5, a man at the pool of Bethesda, he said, take up your bed and walk. In in Mark chapter 5, we see a woman with the issue of blood, and she says, if, if I could just but touch the hem of his garment, and she did, and she was made whole. Jesus it was encountered by a, a centurion soldier, and Jesus simply speaks the word, and the man's servant was healed. Peter's mother-in-law was sick, and Jesus immediately responded. Immediately. But in John 11... Jesus saw when Lazarus was sick, Jesus stayed where he was and did not get there till four days later after Lazarus had been in the grave. And we look through the New Testament and we see that though God's character never changes, that God's, we we can predict his character, but we can't always predict his activity. One day he may be one way, the next day another. But you can rest assured, and I can rest assured, even if he doesn't come through the way we expected or or the way we expected or when we expected, we can be certain he will come through. And when he gets there, it'll be on time. How many know that when God does show up, he will be on time? He may not always come when we want him to come or the way we want him to come or how we want him to come, but God will always be faithful to show up 
and he will always be on time. Did you hear what I said? When he gets there, it's always on time. And when he does it, it's always done the right way. There's no inconsistency in his character. There's just at times unpredictability in his activity. This is important as we venture into the new year filled with new possibilities and new opportunities. I don't know about you, but I have great expectation for this year. I believe God is going to do great things in your life, in the church's life, in our nation, and around those things around us. How many can say there were some things that happened this year that we, that we expected, but there was a lot of things that happened that we didn't expect this year? And the course and quality of 2021 will be how, how we handle what we don't see coming. Here in Exodus is an example of what I'm trying to articulate this morning. We have the children of Israel here in Exodus chapter 13. They are coming out of Egypt. They are being brought out of Egypt. And they are coming out, and they're in the middle of their exodus out of Egypt. And verse 13, God says something that is, that is surprising. He says, when it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So what did God do? God led them, the people, around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly fashion. In other words, God does something here. God doesn't lead them out by the way of the Philistines, although that was the shorter way. That was the shortest way to take them out, was by the way of the Philistines. And so, even though that was shorter, after being in Egyptian captivity, God, God had answered their prayer. They had prayed for a deliverer, and God sent the man, Moses, who led them out and was leading them out to a place called Canaan. Canaan. And Israel is expected to uh, expe leave Egypt and go to the, the land that God had promised them. But the text says this, that God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines, though that was shorter. He led them around through the desert or through the wilderness. The text tells us God, God's rationale for this route. He said, lest perhaps the people change their mind when they see war and return to Egypt. In other words, they were not ready for war. So God led them out a different way. God led them out. This is powerful. And when you read this, it teaches me something. It teaches me something that we're, sometimes we feel we're ready for something when really we're not ready for it. And just because we're ready for it doesn't mean that we're ready for it. God has, what God has to do is behave in ways that, that often don't make sense to us, that seem to be unfair to us, but sometimes he'll take us the long way around to places we thought we would be in a shorter time of place. Can you relate to what I'm saying this morning? 
in this area. Sometimes God will take us not the way that is the shortest way. Sometimes God has to take us around because in order to get there, we're not ready for what we encounter on the journey in the shortest way. It seems like there's a detour or delay or it's denial. Maybe God is not taking you the shortest route because he's, he's, he, because he's, he's not denying you. He's taking you the long route, not because he's not taking you the short route because he's trying to keep something from you, but sometimes he'll take you the long route so that he could develop something in you, that he may develop something in you because you might not be ready for what you think you're ready for. And sometimes the shortest route is not what's best for you. Sometimes God has to take you around another route so that God can develop you so that when you get there, you're ready for what God has for you. And so God, in his actions, God is intentional and it never an ends to a means. We always know there's always a means to God's end. And whenever God is doing something, as I said last week, he's doing something on purpose. Whenever God, is, is, God does nothing, he's doing something on purpose. And that's why we can rejoice this morning. When God, uh, when God does something, uh, he is, he's, he's doing something. And when he's not doing something, he's doing something. And as I said last week, we have to praise him when, he know, when we know he's doing something, and we also have to worship him when we're not sure what he's doing this morning. Why? Because though we see it or may not see it, God is always doing something. He's always working. God is always working on our behalf. And the Bible says in verse 17, he took them the long run, the way. It would make sense to us that he would take them the short route to leave here and go there because God knows just because we're ready for it doesn't mean we're ready for it because we can be ready for it and not be ready for it. Some blessings become burdens if we're not ready for them. Some new opportunities, some new responsibilities are blessings but can feel like burdens if we're not ready for what God has for us. In other words, if we arrive at what God has for us too soon, then what's supposed to be a blessing can be a burden in our life. And if the burden becomes a blessing, then what happens is, is that we become, we become burdened and we become overburdened with what God meant to be a blessing. But in order for you to get to where God wants you to be, he has to prepare you and develop you so that when you get there, you're ready for what God has for you and what he's doing in your life. And so we have to be ready for it. So he takes them to a place called the wilderness. The wilderness. They don't go immediately to Canaan. God led them there. He led them that way. Why? Why here? Why the wilderness, we think of the wilderness as negative. And, and when I look at the children of Israel and as they travel through the wilderness, we all have wildernesses in our life. And those wildernesses are the places where God prepares us for what he has for us. So the wilderness is not a negative place for our life. The wilderness is a necessary place for our life. 
It's not a negative place, it's a necessary. And as I was thinking, the wilderness only becomes negative when we stay there longer than we have to. See, the wilderness only became a negative thing for the children of Israel because what should have taken just a few days ended up taking 40 years. How many know your wilderness is not to take 40 years? And the problem is when your wilderness becomes negative is when we stay there too long. All of us have to have to go through wilderness experience. God never intends for us to have wilderness wanderings. We all have wilderness experience, but God never intends for us to have wilderness wanderings. They had to go through the wilderness, but they did not have to stay there 40 years. Going to the wilderness was God's decision. Staying there was theirs. See, it's one thing for God to lead us in the seasons of wilderness, but how long we stay there is up to us. God's intention was not for them to be there 40 years, but they stood there, they stayed there as long as was needed in order to stay there. Instead of Israel made a state out of what God was making a stage. Sometimes in life, we can make a state out of something that is supposed to only be a stage in our life. And it becomes a state. We get used to being there. We don't learn what God is teaching us there or we don't learn what God is trying to show us in that place. And so instead of it being a passageway or a place of development or a place of bringing us to where God has for us, it ends up being a state in our life because we never learn what God is trying to teach us while we're there. Wilderness seasons in our lives was for God to get us ready for what God had ready for us. Where he prepares, where he prepares us for what he has prepared us for. Each time God moved people into new levels or new chapters in their story or their life, he sends us through seasons like the wilderness, where he grows us before he grows us. And so growth requires grounding. Wilderness seasons is where Israel was out of Egypt but weren't in Canaan. They were out. They were delivered out of what God brought them out of, but they hadn't gone into what God had for them. They weren't where they, where they were, but they wasn't where they were going. And, and things, sometimes God is, uses these wilderness experiences to prepare us in our life, and we have to understand that while we're in the wilderness, Though we're there, it's not God's true destination for us. It represents a transitional season in our lives. And God had brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he took them away that would not have made sense to us. But because it doesn't make sense to us, doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense to God. And sometimes God will bring you out into a wilderness season that may not make sense of why you're there or why you're in the middle of it or why it's taking so long or what's going on. And it may not make sense to you, but it makes perfect sense to God. Because God is grounding you before he grows you. God grounds us before he grows us. God was using the wilderness season for, for Israel to be prepared 
Because had he taken them into Canaan before they were ready to receive what Canaan had, Canaan would have been a burden to them and not a blessing to them. And so God had used the wilderness as a transitional season in Israel's life. The place of preparation. Many of you are in that place. Place of preparation. Place of pruning. A place where, you know, God is opening and closing doors. That, that there are some doors that you can only fit through if you take some things off. There are some doors that God opens that you can only fit through if you take some things off. Sometimes some doors you can't walk through if you're carrying a backpack. Some, some doors you can't walk through if you're carrying extra luggage. And God allows us to set in seasons and says, you have gone as far as you can go carrying that, wearing that. Allow me to prune you so that that would come off of you so that you're able to walk in and abide in what I have for you. Sometimes there are doors God opens for us that we are carrying luggage that we can't take into that season. We can't take into that, into that promise or into that place. And so sometimes it's the pruning of God in the wilderness that cuts off some of those things that are baggage to us that we can't take into the promise that God has for us. And so he prunes us. Why does he prune us? So that we can bear more fruit. And there are three things when I look at Israel's narrative or story and how that God had pruned them in the wilderness. There are three things that I want to share with you this morning that I believe God uses to prune us during a wilderness time. In other words, you may look at your life and say, this is not how I planned it as a Christian. This is not what I expected the God to do. This is not the way that I chose to go, but this is the way that God has taken me. And you must understand that, that it doesn't surprise God. God maybe is pruning you. Maybe God is trying to get some luggage off of your life because you can't go into what God has for you if you're not grounded, if you've not grown, if you're not at the place where you can handle the responsibility that God has for you. How many know God wants his best for you? How many know there's a Canaan for all of us in his purpose and his will for our life? But we can't hold on to certain things and carry them into the seasons that God is trying to do something new in our life. Sometimes you have to let go of some things in the wilderness that God wants you to let go of so that you can move into the blessing of God that he has for you. And so he used the wilderness to prune Israel. He used the wilderness to develop them. He used the wilderness in order to ground them so that they can grow. And some people never get past some stages in their walk with God. They never experience the fruit of the purpose of God in their life, or they never experience the Canaan experience because they, they were unwilling to let God do the work in the wilderness so that they could get to the promise that God had for their life. And I believe God wants to do that in us this morning. I believe God wants to take us, this is not what I expected, this is not what I expected. I, I Standing up on Capitol Hill on Wednesday when all that chaos was going on, I, I, thought, the, I thought to myself, this is, this is not how I saw it. I did not see this coming. I didn't see 2020 coming. 
I didn't see all that we were going. And listen, in 2021, there'll be things that you haven't expected that'll show up. But there'll be also things that you, that you know will come about. But this morning, I want to talk about three things that God used in Israel's to prune Israel. And I believe he uses these things in us also in order to prepare us for what he has for us. Listen, God has great things for you this morning. God has great things for this church this morning. How many know God's not done with you this morning? God is not finished with the church. Can I tell you the church is not dead this morning? The church is alive this morning. His people is alive. And I know 2020 may not have been what we expected it to be. We're coming out of an election and we're, we're seeing things that we didn't think that we prayed for that we didn't think would happen. And, and we didn't see it that way. That's not what we expected. But it doesn't mean that God's still not working. It doesn't mean that God is not going to bring the church back stronger than it's ever been before. In a year of lockdown, in a year of of, of, of restriction and the year of, you know, removing relationships and the struggle of 2020, the church has had to operate differently. But there's going to be a comeback day. There's going to be a day when God brings the church back stronger than it's ever been. And it may seem like a wilderness season, but God is working in this season. He's working on the body of Christ. He's working on the church. He's working on you. And 2021 is going to be a great year for you and a great year for us. But I I want to share just a couple of things this morning real quickly. Number one, one of the things that God did for Israel while they were in the wilderness, one of the things that he did was he dealt with their issues. New seasons will continue to look like old seasons in our life if if we fail to address the things that should not follow us into the future. New seasons will continue to look like old seasons when we fail to address things that should not follow us into our future. See, Israel had a cynical, complaining, murmuring issue. They always saw the glass half empty instead of half full or running over. They got into the wilderness and they wanted food. And God gave them manna. Is that not right? Then they started talking that they didn't like the manna. They wanted some meat. And God sent them, uh, he sent them quail. Then they wanted water and the water was bitter. And so Moses had to throw a stick into it to make it sweet. See, God's greatest indictment against Israel was their cynicism, was their complaining their pessimism, in other words, their perspective that they didn't allow to, they didn't allow them to embrace the fullness of God's goodness in, in the land, in, the, in their life. They got, God brought them out of Egypt. They were complaining in the wilderness, not realizing that God had just delivered them from Egypt. They were complaining in a place that God had brought them when he brought them out of something that was much worse, in other words, they, where they were before was much worse than where they were now, but instead of being grateful for what God had done for them, they began to complain to God about where they were. What has God done 
for you and I that we used to praise God about, but now you've forgotten about. See, a lot of times we get in the midst of our, our, our walk with God and we lose sight of where God brought us from, where he really brought us out of. And we say, well, now's tough, but think about what it was before you knew Jesus. Think about what your life was before he came and delivered you and set you free. What would your life be like right now had God not intervened in your life? God has done something in your life that was once a prayer request, but now you are taking that for granted. You know, sometimes we have to sit and just let the Holy Spirit remind us how good God has been to us. How good he's been. And sometimes we have to look back and say, God, I thank you that you brought me out of what I went through in 1999. God, I thank you of what you brought me out of, of what I went through in 2003 or 2005. God, I'm going to praise you where I am right now, but I'm not going to forget where you brought me out of because what you brought me out of has allowed me to be where I am today. And I'm not going to take for granted what you did for me yesterday by complaining where I am today. And the children of Israel lost the fact of what God had done for them. They cannot overcome their pessimism. You cannot have a positive life with a negative outlook. You can't, you can't, God can't take you high if you're always looking low. That was their issue. But we all have, have our issues. All of us have issues in our life. Sometimes it's it's our pride, our, uh, it's, it's in our self-sabotaging. It's in our hurts or our pain, and we act the way we do. Times it, sometimes God takes us the long way, the long way, so that it gives us opportunity to address something that is not addressed now has a greater consequence later. The reason why God was taking him through the wilderness was because there were things that needed to be worked out of them before they crossed in to the promised land. And sometimes God will take you the long way around to your purpose because there are things that you cannot carry into what God has for you, but he wants you to work them out now. I believe when David defeated Goliath, he just didn't use a stone. Do you remember when David defeated Goliath? What did he do? He went up and he took the giant sword and he chopped off the giant's head. Because though he knocked the giant down, he wanted to make sure that giant was not going to get up again. And sometimes when you deal with things in your life, you can't just hit it with a stone and knock it down. Sometimes you gotta cut the head off of that issue in your life that may rise up again somewhere down the road. We all know too well in the story of Joshua, the Bible said, for Joshua went into the land, but he let giants remain in the land, in Gath and in Ashdod. And what happened was those giants that Joshua left later became adversaries to God's people later. Their descendants became adversaries to God's people. And so what you don't kill in one generation, the next generation has to fight. 
That's why when we defeat something or we go after something, we're to destroy it and cut the head off of it so the next generation don't have to fight it. And I believe God is teaching the church how to fight in a wilderness season. Maybe God has the church in a wilderness season. Maybe this is a season where God is working things out of the body of Christ in general. So that when we begin to deal with the evil one, that we just don't knock him down and go on, but we learn how to destroy that thing so the next generation don't have to get up and fight it and deal with it. How many know we've left, let too many things continue to live? And we all have issues. God wants to prune our issues. We can't go into Canaan and into God's promise if we don't deal with things in our life a baggage that won't fit through the door of God's blessing for us. We have to lay things down. It has to be the place we settle things and let things go. If we don't defeat it, then it'll be a consequence to us later and we'll have to deal with it in another season. It'll resurrect itself and reemerge in our life in a different season. We find ourselves in a new season fighting old battles. God gave Israel opportunity to prune their issues. The reason why he took them the long way because he wanted to give them opportunity to deal with the issues of her life. Number two, God pruned them. He wanted to prune individuals in their life. See, when you read the narrative, God examines God examines Israel's attitude. God has this conversation with Moses, and he says, Moses, you're trying to take people where they don't have an appetite to go. God's saying, Moses, you're trying to lead people where they don't want to go. And God said, hey, won't you allow me to raise up another generation after this generation that'll follow you and and we know that in the narrative, Moses intercedes and he prays to God and says, God, don't do it. What will they say about your great name? And so Moses' prayer seems amazingly spiritual until you listen to the response of God to the prayer. God said, okay, since you prayed, I'll, I'll respond, Moses, you're only delaying what is inevitable that is going to happen. Take people that you love to a place they don't want to go. You see, Moses eventually became frustrated also with them. Remember? Moses himself became frustrated with them. He was trying to lead them someplace they didn't want to go. And God says, you need another generation in order to go into the promised land because this generation don't want to go there. They don't want to go. And Moses became frustrated so frustrated when God said, speak to the rock, he hit the rock instead of speak to it. And so God took him up on a mountain and God said, do you see the promised land? He said, yes. He said, but you cannot go into it because I tried to remove people out of your life before you got to this point. And what I tried to do was, was pull you and put you back and now the people have influenced you to act and behave in a way that's detrimental to your own destiny. He tried to pull them out before 
He tried to take them out before Moses got the revelation of what they need, that they needed to go. God, God wants to protect us from, from learning these things the hard way. How many know in 1 Corinthians 15 it says, don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. How many know sometimes in order to get to the promised land that God has for you, you have to sever some relationships The severing of some relationships can be supernatural in God's work in your life. Pastor said to me one time, he said this. He said, God knows this. He says, some people are in your life for a season. Some people are in your life for a reason. Some people are in your life for a lifetime. But it's not all the same. They had to go the long route because God was trying to prune those who had unbelief in their life and wasn't willing to go where Moses wanted to take them, he said, you've got to prune them out of your life. And I'm here to tell you this morning, sometimes to get where we need to go in God, we have to evaluate the relationships we have. Sometimes we got to remove people out of our lives that become a detriment to the destiny that God has for you. Sometimes we got to get rid of negative people. Sometimes we got to remove relationships that hinder us going forward and going greater in God. And we need to forge relationships that are going to help us take us to where God wants us to be. And so God pruned their issues. God pruned them individually. But three, God pruned their attitudes. Israel's attitude impacted their ability to occupy Canaan. We read in Numbers 13 that Israel has opportunity to occupy the promised land. So what they do, they sent spies, right? And you all remember they sent the 12 spies in and they came back and 10 of them had one report and two of them had another report. 10 of them said, we can't do it. There's giants in the land and what they say, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. And then there were two that says, we can take it. We can do it. They said, everything you said about the land is true. There are giants in the land. And so, it is agriculturally flowing with milk and hungry, honey. But there are giants in the land, and we are grasshoppers in their sight. See, they didn't lose... The fact that giants were in the land, it wasn't the fact that giants was in the land. The problem was not that there were giants there. The problem was how they saw themselves. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. They didn't see themselves correctly. They saw themselves, they didn't see themselves as God wanted them to be seen. They didn't lose because they saw the giants incorrectly. They saw They saw themselves incorrectly. Listen, every every place of territory that God allows you to take, there will be giants there of resistance. But you have to understand that there are going to be giants in your process to what God has for you. But you have to understand that the God you serve is bigger than the giants that stand in the land. The problem was they thought too little of themselves. They thought too little. They had suffered an identity crisis. They confused humility with low self-esteem. 
They spiritualized their low self-esteem and inflated it as humility. And so they they needed an attitude adjustment. See, what they needed is is to understand that in God they were confident. In God you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you this morning. We can do all things. If Christ says we can do it, then, then no giant is a match for God. If God says go, you've got to go. And though there may be giants in the land, understand this, they are no match for God. Because here's what they forgot. The same God that was leading them into Canaan was the same God that brought them out of Egypt by a mighty hand. And the same God that's leading you into your destiny is the same God that saved you, delivered you, freed you, filled you with the Holy Ghost, and gave you anointing on your life to do what he's called you to do. It's the same God. It's the same power that rose Christ from the dead, lives inside of you. He had to change their mental condition before he could change their location. He had to change the way they thought. So what did God do? God gave them the book of Deuteronomy, the second law for the next generation because he knew he had to change their mindset and the way they thought about God. They had to change the way that they looked at God. They had to be inside of them. They had to be expecting the Canaan land while still in the wilderness. They had to be believing for Canaan while they were still in the wilderness. They had to act like they were people that, that deserved Canaan, even though they were in the wilderness. They had to talk like God had brought it to them. And so God began to change, began to deal with their attitude, and he first changed their mind so that he could change their location. In other words, we have to understand this morning That we are who God says we are. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are a beloved of God. We are a royal priesthood. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And sometimes through our wilderness season, we have to adjust our attitude and and God has to remind us who we are and who we are called to be. This past year, things have happened that we didn't see coming. And God may take some of us the long routes. Some of us may have to take the longer journey. And what God does in times like this is give us something that we all need when we have to manage what we did not see coming. And that is perspective. That is seeing things through the eyes of God. I'm going to read to you this morning. Pastor Adam, if you'll come, I want to read to you out of the book of Ephesians. I want to read a passage of Scripture to you that I want you to take with you this morning. In Ephesians chapter 1, there's a powerful verse of Scripture in verse 18 and following that I want to read to you. Here, the Apostle Paul is talking about spiritual wisdom. And this is what he says. His prayer for the church at Ephesus. He said that God might open your eyes of understanding, may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, 
What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is exceedingly great, this exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things, to be head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fulfillment of him who fills all in all. In other words, everything Christ is, we are. For we are seated with him in heavenly places. That God may open the eyes of your understanding this morning to know that there are more with you than are against you. That God may open your eyes that you may see his purpose. And God sometimes will take us through wonder, wilderness seasons so that he could deal with the issues of our life. What issues has God been wanting to deal with in your life? What is some of the luggage and baggage that God is trying to take you to the next season of your life, but there's some things that you have not been willing to let go of and lay down? Sometimes our wilderness seasons is where God deals with our relationships, who we're attached to, who we listen to, who we walk with, who we come in covenant with. That will affect your life, who you listen to. You get around negative people, I'm telling you it's going to pull. You will not see the destiny God has for you if you get around people that are always tearing the church down, always tearing God's people down, always got a complaining spirit about what's going on. Listen, God will remove those people in your life. Some of you need to let some of them go. And get around people that are going to build you and strengthen you. Lead you into the next season of your life. Into the hope of your calling. The hope of his calling, it says. Something happened that you didn't expect to happen. And and, and this this is it. When something happens that we don't expect to happen, what we have to ask God to do is to open the eyes of our understanding. So that we can see beyond what has happened and look past it so that we know the hope of his calling. The hope of what he's called us to. What is hope? Hope is an anchor in our life. When the wind blows and the storm comes, hope becomes an anchor to our life. How do you get ready for what you you didn't or don't know is coming? I'll tell you how you get ready is that God opens your eyes and gives you the heart of conviction so that you have an understanding of this phrase. Listen to me. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't change who he is. See, you can look back in 2020 and say, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see it coming. But whatever it is, It doesn't matter what it is. Whatever it is doesn't change who he is. And I don't know what's going to come our way in 2021. And there may be some things we expect and there's some things we don't expect. 
I don't know how it could outdo 2020 because there was a lot of things that we didn't expect happen. But it doesn't matter what it was in 2020. It doesn't remove who he is. He's still on the throne. He's still God. He's still in control. He can still open the eyes of your understanding this morning. And you may be taking the long way around, and you may be saying to God, God, I didn't see that coming. I look back over the course. You look back over the course of your life, and you see there were certain seasons that God was teaching you something, and it took longer. I say to myself now, man, I wish I would have known God when I was 19 years old, or 17 or 18 years old when I was in high school. I wish I'd have known God then. I mean, we all say that, right? And sometimes we remain in a place in a season longer than we should when God is developing you. But we have to make the commitment to say, God, I'm going to allow you to bring me through this wilderness season, and I know that you're using this season to get rid of the issues in my life, to remove uh, things I'm attached to in my life, individuals. You're bringing me into covenant with people that is going the same direction that I'm going. And then we finally come to the place this morning where God is leading us and he's pruning our attitudes, our attitudes toward God. We know there's giants in the land. We know there's difficulty and listen, if you, anytime you do something for God, there'll be a fight. You're going to fight. Start a business. You're going to have a fight. Start, start announcing your call to preach the gospel or to do something for God. There'll be a fight. Devils will rise up. Giants will show up. You're going to have to fight them. But here's the thing. Don't just hit them with the stone, but cut off their heads so that they don't live again. And they can't live again. And realize that God wants to take you into the promise that he has for you if we're willing to allow God to work in those three areas of our life. Stand with me this morning. I can tell you the last few weeks that I stood in the Capitol Hill and I thought that to myself. I, I mean, I even thought those words... You know, I did not see that coming. I did not see this coming. And I want to tell you, I'm, I, I'm concerned in my spirit that the next few years of what's going to happen in our nation, but how many know we can't look at the obstacles and the giants that are out there that are trying to destroy the work of the church we have to look at how big our God is. And no, it doesn't matter how big the giant is. It's the God who's standing beside us that'll take us in to the promise of what he has for us. How many of you are ready to walk in the promise that God has promised for you in your life? And maybe you're here this morning and you'll say, Pastor, I didn't see that coming. Maybe something has occurred in your life in the past year and you said, I just didn't see that coming. Maybe a disappointment. Maybe, a, maybe a, a loss of some kind. Loss of a job. Loss of a relationship. Loss of a spouse. Loss somewhere there was a loss or somewhere there was something 
that you can say, I didn't see that coming. And we're going to pray for you this morning. If you'll come this morning as Pastor Adam when he sings, we want to pray for you this morning. And my prayer is going to be this, is that God will open the eyes of your understanding so that you understand, that God will reveal to you not only, because we know that God is immutable. He is a comforter. God is faithful. God will be there with us. God will stand by us. He'll provide for us. It's not a matter of God taking care of you, right? It's just sometimes God doesn't do it always the way we expect him to do it. And so if you need prayer this morning, and that's you, I want you to step out of where you are and come to this altar as Pastor Adam leads us in a song this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. I want to give you the invitation this morning to know Jesus. That you would know Him in a personal way. You've never said the sinner's prayer or asked Jesus into your heart. I just want to take a moment and... Is there anybody here that does not know Jesus? You'd like to receive Jesus into your heart this morning and receive him as your Savior. If that's you this morning, we want you to come. Is there anybody this morning? You've never received Christ as your personal Savior and say, Pastor, this morning I want to receive Jesus into my heart. I want to get saved this morning. I don't want to look back and say, man, I wish I would have done that earlier in my life. How many of you born again wish you would have found Jesus a little earlier in your life? We all look back. But how many know God is the redeemer? How many know God will redeem what the locusts have eaten and have stolen and what the devil has taken? God will give back. If you need prayer this morning, step out of where you are and come. Let us pray for you this morning. If you want to come and say, Pastor, I didn't see that coming. We want to pray for you this morning. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.